The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and, or, and are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, all those having, healings, having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those with speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. Well, good morning. Just before um, we think on that passage, just um, sense God saying that maybe for one or two people here this morning as we had that extended time of worship, you were looking around very aware that God is doing something, but you were feeling nothing. Um, and I just sense God saying, do you know that's okay? Um, that actually the invitation at the beginning of the service was, was come as you are. Um, and you are welcomed as you are, you are valued as you are. And that's what we're going to be reflecting on uh, this morning. Um, and I just want you just to, just to close your eyes just for a minute. And I just want you to be uh, very aware of your physical body. Just as you sit there, be aware of um, the parts of you that maybe are hurting, the parts of you that are functioning well, the parts of you that you uh, like, the parts of you that you dislike, the parts of you that you use on a daily basis. Maybe even the parts of you you're not even normally aware of, but you know are doing something important. 
parts of you that you understand fully, the parts of you that you don't. The parts of you in need of attention right now. The parts of you that you're thankful for. Paul, in his writings, uses a lot of different analogies to describe the church. And the one that he uses the most, or the one that he certainly gives most time to, is that of the body. And as you're sitting there just thinking about your body, you suddenly realize, or I, I certainly find I suddenly realize that the, the body is a complex miracle work of God, isn't it? Our bodies are incredibly complex, but incredibly miraculous, which is why I think that makes such a good analogy for the church. Because the church is complex, and the church is miraculous too. That as we are gathered here this morning, we are a complex mystery, a wonderful gift that God has given us to be the body of Christ together. And so I can totally understand why Paul is using this analogy and why he uses it so much. He does also talk about the church being a family. He talks about the church about being a marriage, being the bride of Christ. There are other analogies that Paul uses, but this is the one he uses the most or gives the most attention to. And sometimes he does so very seriously. There are times that Paul is using humor that kind of gets lost in translation as we use it today. I don't know about you, but when I read a sentence that says, if the foot were to say to the hand, I no longer need you, my first concern would be, why is my foot speaking? Uh, it wouldn't be what it's... But sometimes Paul is using humor, but he's using this analogy, this, this beautiful picture of the body to represent the church, to show that we are all community, that we all depend on and rely on one another, that we we together are one. And we're both talking about church here at St. Mary's Slaffham, but also church with a capital C, the worldwide global church, that together we are the body of Christ, that we are not made to walk this Christian life uh, alone. We were meant, created to be in community because we're created in the image of a God who is himself perfect community. Uh, and so this wonderful representation that Paul brings in, saying that this body, that like the body, carries diversity, we reflect on that in a minute and that every single part matters as we come together as the body of Christ in this place at this time and there's a sense of that coming together of the body that is is normally on a daily basis dispersed into different places our workplaces our homes our families our schools our colleges wherever God has placed us there's a sense in which uh, through the week we're we're, diver- we're dispersed but we come together uh, and almost like that exercise to just suddenly be aware of everything around you everything in your body to suddenly be aware of that and that's one of the things that happens when we gather here now i was looking into the difference between Uh, being a gathering and being an assembled people. I don't really know what led me to that, but it did. Um, And the sense of gathering or a description of gathering is the coming together of people in a group. So there's something about gathering that is optional, that you make the choice to come and to gather here as God's people together in this place. The sense of being assembled, however, is the bringing together of people. 
So uh, most of you know that I love movies and I love Marvel movies. Uh, and there is a, a whole concept of different superheroes being assembled together by Nick Fury. He calls them together for a purpose and says, I need that particular person here and that particular person there and that particular person with their particular gifts here in order for this to work together. And there's a sense in which as a church also we are assembled that you are here this morning because God has called you to be in St. Mary Slaffin for such a time as this. For this particular season, on this particular day even, to be here, to be assembled. So there's a sense in which we are a gathering, uh, that we are here by choice, and there's a sense in which we are assembled, we're here with God. So it's not an either or, it's a yes and thing. So what we are essentially when we're here as the body of Christ together is an assembled gathering. As the body of Christ comes together, and we're ultimately here for God, as we've just been singing, to praise God, to give glory to God, to honor God in any way we can. And one of the ways that we honor God, one of the primary ways we honor God, is by honoring one another. The one of the ways that we're here for God is to be here for one another. To love one another well. To support one another as we grow together into Christ who is the head. And as we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And within this assembled gathering, within this group of people who have come together, there is a rich diversity. A beautiful diversity. And the wonderful thing about the diversity in the church is that God did not just create the church to be diverse. He created it to depend on that very diversity. I think it's amazing. We depend on the diversity that we have within these walls, within our church. It's not just a nice thing to have. It's not just diversity is a good thing to have. We want to be diverse. Yes, we do. But we depend on that diversity. Because every single person in this assembled gathering and in our wider family matters. Every single person without exception matters in the life of the church, in the building of the kingdom. God's desire is not to create a uniform Christian. Yes, we're all looking to grow into Christ. There are areas in which we're all growing together and share goals that we have. But he wants to celebrate the diversity you have, but also for us to rely on it. Because I don't know about you, but if you could just think maybe there's been times where You've been in a place where there has been uh, incredible diversity in a group of people, but they've been united around one thing. It's really powerful when that happens. When people who are on paper should be so different and even opposed to each other can come together around some, some singular cause, it's a really powerful thing. And even more so when that's Jesus. <laughs> When we are united around Jesus, the name above every name, the name above all names, that is powerful, powerful stuff. When we are able to love one another well, despite our diversity, or in, even love our diversity, that's when we're able to be uh, fully the church, as people are welcome to come as they are, because every single person 
matters. Because every single person has something to offer. Every single person is valued by God and hopefully valued by one another. Every single person is welcomed and called and purposed for such a time as this. Every single person is loved unconditionally by God. Every single person Jesus came for and gave his life for and rose for so that you can have life in all its fullness. And this is why we've been taking time over this year to, to ask you what matters to you? What do you carry? What, what, what is it that you, you are so passionate about um, within the life of the church, within mission, within evangelism, whatever it may be? What are the things you carry? We're not doing this as a, a token gesture to sort of say that we've consulted everybody, but we genuinely believe that every single value matters. Everything you value matters uh, in this place as part of the body of Christ and what you bring and what you carry and what you share and what you uh, hold as important is going to form the values of this particular uh, benefit and United Parishes we become one later this year uh, because all those values matter because we all matter every single person matters Paul is making it very clear that about the fact that the, the Corinthian church we know we said last week was divided and was trying to make some people to be more important than others uh, and some leaders more important than others they were even making it so that some gifts seem more important than others. Uh, incidentally, when Paul is listing the gifts and he says first evangelists, second prophets, whatever order it is, that's not order of priority. He's just giving a list. Uh, they all matter. They all are valued. And what that means in, in the sense of this church, but also in the sense of the wider church, is that the person who makes coffee here is just as important as Billy Graham. Whatever you bring, you matter. You are valued. And you're no less or no more important than others around you. And if we base that value on impact, then something is wrong. Because that value isn't based on what we do or what we achieve or how much we achieve or how many converts we see or how many people come to church because of us or any of those things. It's based on the fact that you are here because Jesus has assembled you here. And you have chosen to gather here. And when those two things are combined, when it's a choice and the will of God, that's a really beautiful thing. A really beautiful thing. And even more so when you're valued by those around you when you do come. So I had this real sense to keep this really simple this morning. And by simple, I mean easy to understand. I don't mean easy to do. Because I think the question is this, that as you look around you this morning... Do you believe that the person beside you is just as important as you are? But an even harder question to ask is, do you believe that you are as important as the person beside you? Do you believe that you matter as much? Do you believe that what you bring is as important and as valued as what they bring? Because one of the biggest barriers to really growing in spiritual gifts and really growing in community and really growing in being the body of Christ is comparison. We're forever comparing ourselves to other people. 
And aspiration can be a good thing, but comparison is something very different. When you come through these doors on a Sunday, or you gather for prayer in the week, or you have a Bible study together with others, or you worship with, uh, with brothers and sisters, wherever it may be, when you go through into that place, you need to know that you are as valued as the person beside you, and they are as valued as you are. Every single person matters. Why the invitation at the beginning was come as you are. Regardless of what morning you've had, how terrible your week has been, however you're feeling, come as you are. With who you are, as who you are. So do you feel valued? Do you value the people around you? And to kind of carry on the conversation from last week... If you value the people around you, do they know? Do they know that you value them? Have you told them? Because we're not mind readers. (laughs) If you value someone, there is so much power in you telling them that you value them. Not just for what they do or what they bring, but for who they are as people. If we're going to grow more and more to be a culture of honour that honours one another, then it starts there with valuing one another and recognising the fact that we all matter. That the person who serves us tea and coffee is just as important as Billy Graham. And that's as we do that, as we grow in that, as we celebrate the complex miracle that is the church of the body of Christ, as we grow together in understanding what that means for us to be a gathered, uh, assembled gathering in this place, but also when we're uh, living about in our daily lives, then we need to understand uh, really kind of the central focus now, I'm, I'm no expert of the human body, uh, and there are GPs and doctors in here who, who definitely are, but I'm sure that most of us will understand the important role of the head of the body and how much it matters that our, our brain is functioning well and doing everything it should do, how much it is in control of so much of the human body, how hard it can be when we see it failing in the people we love around us. The head matters. And I don't know about you, but I look at the body that is the church, and there are times it feels like it's functioning really well. And we see something that's happening, and we celebrate it, and we're like, oh, this is good. God is good, and he's doing good things. There are times I look at the body, and by this I mean church with a capital C here, and it seems a bit dysfunctional and a bit broken and not quite doing what it could be doing for the kingdom. Times where the body seems uh, divided or torn apart by disagreements uh, over whatever it may be. Through all of that, the thing I've come to be so thankful for as we think about this analogy of the body, I am so, so grateful that Christ is the head. (laughs) So grateful that he is the head of it all and through it all and in it all. He is the head. And as I've said, I know many times before, 
the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, whatever analogy you use, is still his plan A to save this world. It's still his plan A to usher in the kingdom of God through his body, through you and through me. And his prayer for unity that he prayed in John 14, 15, 16, 17, his desire for unity that he has for his body, for this church, for his church, will become more and more and more realized when we recognize and we accept the truth that whoever does tea and coffee here is just as valued and just as important as Billy Graham. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you matter? That you are just as important as the person beside you, around you, in front of you? Do you value those around you? And if you do, do they know? My hope and prayer is that by the time you leave this building this morning, you will know not only what you carry and the gifts you have, but how valued you are with or without those gifts. I had a conversation with someone uh, this morning who was talking about the things that they used to be able to do that they no longer can. And that for the first time since they've not been able to do that this morning, they recognize they're still valued. You matter. You all matter, not just to the church, but you matter to the king and to his kingdom. You have been assembled for such a time as this. And when we gather the body together, let us remind each other of that. That we each have a part to play, yes. But we're valued by the king. Every single one without exception valued by the king let's just take a moment just to be still maybe even just to think about whether you believe that sense of value maybe you're here this morning and you um feeling like I've just not been able to give as much or do as much as I would like to or have done in the past or maybe you're here and you feel that you're lacking in the gifts that you want maybe you know that that issue of comparison is a big big deal for you and you're constantly comparing yourself to others Maybe you're here this morning and there's someone here you know you need to let them know how much you value them. So just allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in you to help you in that area, whichever one of those it is. Either to help you to know that you're valued, that you matter. Uh, I've got a real strong sense that when we asked a few months ago for people to fill out a card 
to say what they carry, what matters to them, that there was somebody here who didn't fill it in because you thought, oh, what I have doesn't matter. And God's saying this morning, that's not true. Everything that everyone carries matters. So I'll see if there's any cards lying around so you can fill that out today. Or maybe you weren't here when we did that and we were just simply asking the question, what matters most to you? What do you carry? Because if it matters to you, then it matters to God. And if it matters to God, then it matters to us, his church. So after the service this morning, as we share tea and coffee together, I want to encourage you to value one another. I believe we already do, but just to make that known. Make that known how much you value the people around you. But know this above all else. You are valued by the King. You're valued so much that Jesus came. You're valued so much that Jesus died. You're valued so much that Jesus rose. You're valued so much that Jesus ascended to reign. You're valued so much that he will come back for you. You're valued so much that he wants to partner with you, to work with you, to join with you as you join with him for the building of his kingdom and the glory of his name. Amen.